Hello again, and welcome to the third episode of the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast. My name is Paige, and I am your host. And before I get started on our topic today, there's a few little announcements I want to make. The first being that on Saturday I am launching an online class. So this class is hosted on coursecraft.net, and it is about making black salt. Black salt, or witch's salt, is very commonly used in protection magic. It's something that is mass-produced, so you can get it at stores, but making it yourself is always a little bit stronger. So the course includes video instructions that I take you through and I show you how to make the black salt and how I make the black salt. I talk to you about ingredients. There are written instructions that take you all the way through as well. At the end, you can download all of the information in a really nice PDF download so that you can teach the class yourself if you want to later or just keep it in your notes. You'll also get a coupon code so that you can purchase the salt that I made during the class from my Etsy store for a discounted price. So if you're interested in learning about black salt, check that out. I'll be posting it on on Facebook when it happens. My Facebook page is the Fat Feminist Witch's Broom Closet, and you can find all the information about it there. The, The cost of the course is $13, and you can start or end the course whenever you like. Do it at your own pace. If you live in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, as I do, I am also having a, a an in-person class at the Curiosity Shop in Old Sandwich Town on the corner of Sandwich Street and Mill Street, and there I'm going to be talking about Krampus, or Krampus as it is spelled. Krampus is an alpine legend surrounding Christmas time, and Krampus is, is the, the demon of Christmas, so to speak, but he is the, he is the counterpart of St. Nicholas. So St. Nicholas delivers presents to good boys and girls, and Krampus does the exact opposite. What he does is he goes around to boys and girls and either hits them with sticks or kidnaps them in a barrel. (laughs) And Krampus has gotten so popular, he's on ugly sweaters and stockings and Christmas cards, Christmas tree ornaments, and there's even a movie coming out about Krampus. So if you're in Windsor, Ontario, and you want to learn a little bit more about Krampus, and you want to make a Krampus-style beading stick that you can totally spank people with all throughout the Christmas season. It'll be at the Curiosity Shop. The cost is $20. Again, you can find that on my Facebook page. Also in Windsor, Ontario, there is this group I've started online. It's on Facebook called the Windsor Essex Fat Babe Squad. You can find us just by looking us up on Facebook, though the posts are closed until you actually join. It's for women size 14 plus who want to talk about things like we talk about uh, fashion, fat blogging, fat activism, We have regular meetups, there's a trivia night coming up soon locally, and we're going to have a Fat Babe Squad group in the the trivia night trying to win some some fun (laughs) movie memorabilia. So if you want to connect with other plus-size women in Windsor, Ontario, check out the Fat Babe Squad. Now let's jump right into our topic, because I know this is one that some people are... are (laughs) Some people don't really like to talk about it. A lot of people really like to talk about it. And most people don't really like the people who really like to talk about it. What we're talking about today is cannabis. Legal cannabis um, and how women are dominating the legal cannabis industry. And I'm also going to talk about cannabis in the realm of magic and witchcraft and how strange it is that we've gone from, you know, shamanic rituals where where people are regularly ingesting mind-altering substances, including cannabis, to please come to our circle sober because it's inappropriate, which I find kind of strange. So first we're going to talk about the legal cannabis industry and how dominated it is by women. In August of this year, 2015, Newsweek ran a story called Women in Weed. 
legal marijuana could be the first billion-dollar industry not dominated by men. And that is huge. I mean, first of all, the fact that this is on the cover of Newsweek is a really big deal. But the fact that this industry that is so new and is really just getting started, I mean, in the United States, there are only three states where recreational marijuana is actually legal, is dominated by women and is becoming a billion-dollar industry is really, really spectacular. And the reasons for it aren't, aren't so known, but there, there are a lot. So the theories are that, that because cannabis is such a compassionate industry, I mean, you're dealing with sick people, you're dealing with children, you're dealing with people with a very low quality of life, and it's really imperative that they get help. That is the point of cannabis at the very, the very base note of the legal cannabis industry is the medical side of it. So what you have is you have all these women who are high-powered women who want to be successful, who want to enjoy what they do, but who have not lost this viewpoint of, I need to help some people. Which is part of why it's such an interesting industry for women. It's practically made for women. There's also the fact that because it's such a new industry, there aren't decades and decades of barriers and prejudices against women already in place. So in other industries, you have these decades of them being male-dominated, and it creates things like a wage gap where women make less than men, or it causes hiring discrepancies, so you don't have women getting considered for the job as much because it's been done by men forever. You don't have that in cannabis. Even in the, science, the, the scientific side of cannabis, you don't really have that because more and more women are getting interested in science now, and cannabis is the, the hot science of the day, right? So you have women entering the industry and there's nothing stopping them from not only entering but in getting ahead in the industry. And that has made women flock to cannabis. Even women who weren't interested in it before have become inter interested because they see it as a place where they can grow. No pun intended. So in addition to the women we're used to in the cannabis industry, such as models and artists and actresses, many of whom grace the covers of magazines like High Times or Cannabis Culture, we're now seeing more and more women entering the cannabis industry in industries like medicine or law or science. There's lots of chefs and bakers starting edible cannabis dispensaries. There are marketers and investors, accountants entering the industry and working with lawyers are working with people who have problems with cannabis or who want to start their own cannabis company and helping them get ahead. You have marketers and investors and accountants that are again helping these companies get ahead. There are full staffing agencies that are dedicated to finding jobs in the legal cannabis industry and many of them are owned and run entirely by women. There is an organization called Women Grow which was started in the US by a woman named Jane West who describes herself in that Newsweek article as one part Martha Stewart and one part Walter White which man do I respect that. I respect the hell out of that identity. But Jane West started Women Grow, and in the, the year or two that it's been in operation, it now has over a thousand members of purely women who are working in the legal cannabis industry. So they are either farmers that grow cannabis themselves, they are the bakers or chefs. I believe Jane West herself has a events planning company that in includes marijuana edibles. And you have doctors and nurses and people who run dispensaries and retail establishments, all 
members of this Women Grow organization. Huge organization. Highly re recommend looking them up, especially if you are a woman who's looking at getting into the cannabis industry and you're looking for mentors. That would be the place to start. And the reason this is such a big deal is because women, especially, I mean, you have middle-aged moms in their 40s, soccer moms, suburban moms. Those are the ones who have the time and the power to affect change. I mean, we've all heard of groups like like One Million Moms who protest just absolutely everything. And the problem with some of the groups where it's all of these women that gather together to hate things is that they have a really large, loud presence and voice. Now, if you turn that system on its head and you have these large groups of the same women saying, hey, I'm successful and I'm someone to look up to and I still have a family and, you know, whatever other things make women look like worthwhile human beings in the realm of society, unfortunately. They say, I have all these things. I'm exactly the type of person you think I should be and I am fully interested in legalizing cannabis. I use cannabis. Cannabis makes my quality of life better. That makes a difference. That really says a lot. So women are really changing the cannabis industry and many of the people who have been writing cannabis laws are women. So it's not just women in the industry now that it's in place, but women who started the industry in the first place and got the, the ball rolling. And a lot of that can be found in that Newsweek article Again, which I'm going to link to online, highly recommend that you look up. The one area that I find where legal cannabis is lacking its female presence is in pop culture icons. If you think to yourself, who are the most iconic people I can imagine who advocate the use of cannabis, you're going to come up with people like Snoop Dogg, or maybe even people like Jack Hare or Timothy Leary, if you're in Canada, you're going to have Mark Emery. You have comedians like Cheech and Chong or Dave Chappelle. I mean, these are all these are all big names. These are names that you might recognize even if you don't ingest cannabis in any way. But there's not a lot of women there. And even that is something that is slowly changing. Weeds, which premiered on Showtime in a year that I can't remember right now. But it's it's it was on long enough to have like eight seasons and now it's off the air. Weeds was the story of Nancy Botwin, played by Mary Louise Parker, who was a suburban soccer mom whose husband died, and she started selling cannabis to provide for her family. And at the time, that was really very radical, and the woman who made the show, Genji Cohan, who now makes Orange is the New Black, which is, again, very radical, uh, at the time is incredibly radical. And now you see that suburban soccer mom who sells weed trope in real life, and all of these women who are inside the cannabis industry already. But at the time, that was really unusual. And Nancy Botwin has become kind of the face of the, the female side of cannabis. She's, she's a big name now. And for younger women, you have, you have, I think, our best pop culture icons for younger women are Abby and Alana from Broad City. Broad City is a show that, I mean, if you're still watching Girls, you need to switch to Broad City. It's just better in every way. Broad City is the story of Abby and Alana. They get up to almost nothing, but they still have a lot of adventures, and they both use cannabis recreationally, Alana more so than Abby, and they ingest it in various different ways. So you see things like vaporizers or joints or, or whatever. 
and it shows the <laughs> it shows how difficult it can be to be a woman and an adult and to acquire marijuana um and what kind of ridiculous hijinks you can get into when you're you're ingesting marijuana and, and it's a lot of fun they have a lot of fun with cannabis which i think is really important because you don't always see the fun side you kind of see the sad side a lot of times when it comes to women but that's still not a lot of women we need a lot more pop culture icons in canada we have we have something of an icon jody emery whose husband mark emery has been a cannabis activist for a really long time who recently went to jail because of his cannabis activism she took over for him when he was in jail and she became the voice of cannabis culture which is the website and magazine and store that they run in Vancouver, BC. For those who don't know a lot about Canada, Vancouver, BC is our is the home of cannabis in Canada. It really is. So Vancouver is our cannabis hub, and in Vancouver you have Jody Emery. Jody Emery, it's kind of unusual in the world of cannabis icons because she's very oh God. It's gonna sound so rude, but she's very classy. She's a very classy lady. She wears these wonderful business type dresses, strings of pearls, perfectly coiffed hair. She is a very professional woman, a very professional and compassionate woman. And she became this new face of the cannabis industry years ago when Mark went to jail. All of a sudden you don't see, you don't see someone, you know, in a tie dye shirt and ripped jeans, you see a businesswoman, And that is a really big deal. And again, that is that is a a vision that's that's carried on and now many of the women in the cannabis industry are these very professional, high-end suburban women, which is really cool. But we still need more icons. A good way of tracking these ones down is through the National Organization for the Remor the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Now, Normal is an organization again that's been around for a really long time, and every year they give out an award. The award is called the Pauline Sabin Award. Pauline Sabin was a, a socialite in New York City in the 20s and 30s during the time of alcohol prohibition. And Pauline originally was part of the Temperance Society and was very firmly in favor of alcohol prohibition. She believed alcohol made people do disgusting things. Not that she's wrong, but once prohibition was in effect, she started to see how little good it did. And if you are from Windsor and you are listening to this, we are a city that got a lot of business during alcohol prohibition. Our waterfront is littered in breweries that were only open during the time of alcohol prohibition so that we could supply it to the United States. We have a whiskey distillery here that makes Canadian Club whiskey where Al Capone used to play cards in the basement. We know about prohibition. It didn't work. All it did was make Windsor here very rich for a very short amount of time. And she saw things like this too. Pauline started the Women's Organization for National Prohibition Reform in 1929. And by 1932, this organization had 1.5 million members of strictly women who were in favor of reforming the prohibition laws. And it worked. And uh, she ended up on the cover of Time magazine, and alcohol 
had this brand new <laughs> icon and it was a very proper lady who probably didn't drink much herself. So every year Normal uh, gives out the Pauline Sabin Award to a female activist in recognition for the importance of women in the leadership positions in organizations dedicated to ending marijuana prohibition. This year the winner was Ellen Comp of Normal, California. Many female Normal leaders have, have won and uh, I'm really hoping for Jane West of Women Grow to win it next year because one part Martha Stewart, one part Walter White is <laughs> just my favorite. It's my favorite thing that I've ever heard in my life. So if you are looking for, for female icons in the, in the mar marijuana industry, you can find them through normal, although I want more fun pop, pop culture icons. So more female pop culture icons, Hollywood, please. Now... Within the realm of magic, because it wouldn't be my podcast if I didn't talk about magic and witchcraft, uh, within the realm of magic, cannabis is one of those things, it's just one of those things that no one talks about very much. And magic gatherings or circles, public gatherings, usually have this rule where you must arrive sober. Come sober, stay sober throughout the ritual, and then afterwards you can have a couple of drinks. And oftentimes the reason you're given for this is that it is out of respect for deities. And first of all, I want to know what boring ass deities y'all are worshipping because that just sounds so lame to me. But <laughs> it, I find it really interesting that um, magic has got to this, this very proper place. You know, and, and I think a lot of people maybe put that rule there more out of respect for the other people there. You know, don't be a sloppy drunk. We're all adults here. We don't want to have to babysit you. And in that case, I find it a perfectly acceptable rule. But the idea that using a mind-altering substance of any, way, of any kind can somehow affect your, your energy or your magic negatively is, is, I find, really outrageous or even a little bit offensive especially for people who use cannabis medically and it's it's something, you know, they need to get out of bed and walk around every day. So I find that really inappropriate. Um, and I, I also think it's strange that we've gone, that in so many other cultures, we have magical rituals or, or spiritual journeys that we take under the influence of substances and, and they help facilitate the journey. So, and there are documentaries about this on Netflix. One you might want to check out is Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is a, it's a tea, but it, it is a substance that they, they brew up with, with plants that grow in South America. You drink your tea and you are going to go on a spiritual journey. And it's, it lasts many hours. You have to be watched to make sure that you stay safe, that you don't get ill, etc., etc. Um, I mentioned Palo Santo in one of my my other episodes, Palo Santo is, is the holy wood. And Palo Santo is burned around this time to keep you safe, keep negative entities or evil spirits away from you. And you go on your spiritual journey. And this can last anywhere from uh, many hours to a few days, depending on <laughs> where you go and how how intense it is. And this this is not the only culture where something like that happens. I mean, there are spiritual journeys under the influence of peyote. Peyote is a cactus that grows in Mexico and the southern United States. And 
many native tribes would use peyote to go on spiritual journeys. Cannabis is a plant that was also used by historical tribes for some of their, their ancient rituals. Um, in ancient Russia, you had a tribe that's collectively known as the, the Scythians. The Scythians were, were a tribe of expert horsemen, hunters, and they were, they were some of the first people to actually use horses and wagons. They were incredibly advanced, very intelligent. And cannabis played a huge part in Scythian culture, especially during times of death. Homage was usually paid to the memory of their departed um, leaders and elders in a ceremony that included a, a cannabis incense. So what they would do is they, they would create themselves a teepee, something that many people would recognize now almost as a sweat lodge, but they, they would create themselves a, a tent, a teepee, a closed off space. They would fill it with hot rocks. And the people who were paying homage to this, this person who had passed on, they would bring in large buds from the cannabis plant, put it on the hot rocks and, and smoke the place out. <laughs> Essentially a historical hot box. And they would use this to pay homage to the dead, and in that time they would talk to their ancestors and their elders. Archaeologists have found remnants of cannabis seeds left behind from the these rituals, and that was something that carried out through all of the Scythian lands throughout Russia and, and China there. And that was a very important ritual to them, so much so that you can find mummified and buried and, and well-preserved people and artifacts from this time that include pieces and bits of ancient cannabis. So you'll find ancient cannabis seeds or, or leaves that have been pressed into things. You find pottery with, with markings from the leaves that have been pressed in. And it played a really important part in, in shamanic rituals. And now we've come to a place where Cannabis isn't acceptable to bring to a circle. It's certainly not something that you're going to, you know, throw into the fire at your next Sabbath meeting or whatever, and I find that really strange. So I did some digging, and I wanted to find how you could use cannabis in your magic. And the reason I, I got inspired to do this is because at the Curiosity Shop here in Windsor, I was looking at their pieces of Organite. Organite is kind of a, a receptive tool. Organite is usually made with resin and then it's got receptive materials like copper and <laughs> glitter <laughs> because it's fun. But it, it has things like copper and then stones. Always it includes a quartz crystal as its main source of, of energy. And this piece of organite that I got from the Curiosity Shop in place of a quartz crystal, although I, I believe there's small pieces of quartz in it, but in place of a big main quartz crystal what you have is a big hemp leaf. And that just blew my mind. Of course I bought it because it, it's so unusual and it's so interesting. And so I was I was inspired to look for information about how I could use this. You know, what, what does this leaf actually do? And I found something incredibly interesting. Whoever made this organite really did their research because I've, I've found two sources of information. One is Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs in which he talks about hemp. You have to look up hemp as the plant. And I found another one in Llewellyn's Wicca Companion from 2007. 
And in it, it explains that cannabis and hemp can be used in place of a quartz crystal. It has all the same properties of a quartz crystal, so it helps to magnify your magic. It helps to be a receptive item. It helps to transform energy from something kind of negative or sad into positive energy. So in all the same ways that you use a quartz crystal, you can use pieces from cannabis. And in the article, she, she clarified that she was talking about legal forms. So things like hemp fabric or hemp rope. But a leaf is the fiber that goes into your fabric or your rope. So it, it works kind of the same way. And that is, is really neat. So I'm very proud of my, my large piece of organite, which I'm going to put a picture up of online so that you can all check that out. Scott Cunningham says that um, cannabis is used for things like love magic, happiness, healing, and even divination and, and spiritual, divination and spirituality. So you can combine your, your hemp with something like mugwort, which was a, a pretty common combination, I guess, in his day, and burn it as an incense when you're doing any sort of divination or when you're trying to connect to your higher self or to your deities, and you can use it that way. Hemp wreaths uh, at one time were made in honor of Freya, the Norse goddess, who was the goddess of love and my favorite is cats. She was the goddess of love and cats. And these hemp wreaths would be made in honor of Freya and then tossed onto doorknobs of men that young women wanted to attract. Hemp was seen as a very loving and attracting, attractive herb. The planets it's associated with are things like Saturn and Venus. It's associated with gods like Pan and Dionysus, which I, I don't think is very unusual. Dionysus is the god of wine. Pan is the god of the forest. It's a very earthy but emotional and loving type of herb. Goddesses it's associated with are Venus and Bast, who are goddesses of love and sexuality and of female empowerment. It's a very feminine herb, which really ties into the fact that it's it's so popular with women, which I found pretty interesting. And most of the most of the ways you can use it in your magic are by adding it to incense blends. Or if you if you use herbs and things like a mojo bag, or if you wrap or charge your candles with, with herbs or with oil, you can get hemp oil legally. You can get hemp oil all over the place. Um, hemp twine can be used in your knotwork, or again, you can wrap that around your candles to, to incorporate the properties of hemp into your magic. It's really associated with love magic and with midsummer, so it's like a, it's got like a fun and summery vibe, which makes a lot of sense when you think of pop culture surrounding cannabis. You see a lot of things like California, the beach, warm days, reggae music in the Caribbean. It's just it's it's a very warm plant. So those are some ways that you can use it in your magic, and those are two resources I found talking about using cannabis in your magic. So they're, they're Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, which I highly recommend no matter what. And then this one Llewellyn Companion from 2007. I'm going to post a link to that article because it is out of print. I'm going to post a link to that article, uh, link it through my Facebook page in case you want to read it. And I'm actually going to post a lot of resources for anyone who wants to do a little bit more research. There are a lot of books out there that can teach you a little bit about cannabis. I'm looking for a great book that talks about cannabis and its 
its relation to women. I'm really looking for a great book. So if you know something about that, please let me know. And if you have any opinions on cannabis and women or cannabis and witchcraft, if you use cannabis in your witchcraft at all, if you have a really cool piece of cannabis organite, I'd really like to see it and compare it with mine. Um, let me know. I really want to hear all about it. The idea that cannabis could be the first billion dollar industry that is in no way dominated by men and is mainly women is very interesting to me. And I see it as kind of this ray of hope in the future. I really hope that cannabis becomes legalized in Canada and we see the same kind of domination in the industry by women. It's something that I think could offer a really interesting life to a lot of women out there who have maybe have been searching for something new or searching for their place in the world and just have tried everything and haven't found anything else. So I'm really interested to see how that works. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to my, my third episode about all about cannabis. <laughs> um, one last note I'd like to, I'd last to make I'd like to make you, you maybe notice that I was using the term cannabis more than I, I would marijuana, which is the term most people are familiar with. Marijuana is a, a term coined for the cannabis plant, which is its ancient name. Marijuana was this term. It was coined in, in the 30s during the height of the marijuana fear. I mean, that's when you saw things like <laughs> reefer madness again. Highly recommend checking it out because it's pretty funny. And it was coined by, by an incredibly horrible and racist politician who thought a more foreign sounding name would scare all those nice white kids out of cannabis and unfortunately it worked. Cannabis is currently a schedule one drug in Canada and the US and that means that it is the most dangerous level of drug with absolutely no medical purpose which of course most people know now is not true. So that's why I've been saying cannabis a little bit more because I think it's important that we we shy away from the scare tactics. We, we shy away from the marijuana makes you insane I think it's important that we get away from that. So thank you again for listening to my podcast today. Please check out my Facebook page, The Fat Feminist Witch's Broom Closet, where you can see my events that are coming up. I do have a website in the works, and that will have a full events calendar. And you can find me on Twitter at Fat Feminist. I had to take out an I for Twitter. Fat Feminist Witch. And I will be back again next Thursday for the fourth episode of the Fat Feminist Witch podcast. Now get out there and enjoy the last night of this month's full moon.